great to see you, and I want to add my welcome to all the other welcomes that you've had this morning. My name is Rachel, and um, yeah, I'm part of the team here, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to, my stagehand is gone AWOL, so I've got to sort myself out, which is fine. Um, and it's great to see you. Thank you so much, worship band. Lovely worship. And if you're new here or here for the first time or you've been back, you haven't been back for a while and you're here, so lovely to see you. There's lots of lovely faces this morning you haven't seen for a while, so thank you for coming. Now, it's my joy, privilege, um, responsibility to introduce our new sermon series that is kicking off this morning. It's called Sacred. And we're going to be looking at a few things that are really central to the lives of Christians. And... Um, kind of what sets us apart from other people. Sacred means set apart. Not that we're trying to make out that we're better than anyone else, because we're really not. We know ourselves, and we know we're not. But what is it about our lives as Christians that sets us apart from other people that we are doing life with, shoulder to shoulder with, um, in the world? And one thing that is completely unique to Christianity is the meal that we celebrate called communion. Some it's called the Eucharist, sometimes it's called the Holy Communion or the Last Supper. We tend to call it communion here at Woody's. And it's when we take some bread and some wine, or we use grape juice actually, and we use gluten-free bread. Um, and we do that because we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus when he told us to remember him. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. That's where we're going. Let's hop into our passage of scripture that I'm going to read from. It's from um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. And um, I'm going to read it. Why don't you follow it along with me? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have even fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord... We are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. Now here, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to correct some of their bad crazy behavior when they were taking communion together. They would often celebrate it in homes. There would be um, a feast that they would have as well. They would eat a good meal. And there was inequality. Some people were having too much to eat. Some people were not having enough to eat. There was a bit of greed and kind of discord and disunity. Some people were sitting on the, the sort of posh seats and some people were out kind of like in the shed. And Paul was like, this is not how we're meant to be doing it. There was, this is something very unique and special as we take this 
meal together and as we remember Jesus. And there are some things that I want to teach you about this meal so we can kind of put it right. So that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm not saying there's discord and disunity among us and some people are eating too much and some people aren't eating enough because I haven't noticed that. But I shall be checking later when I'm at the communion um, point. Um, last weekend, I wasn't here and uh, I was at a wedding. Actually, I wasn't getting married, but I was celebrating at a wedding of some good friends of ours who were here this morning. Um, their parents are here. And it was such a lovely occasion. And um, it was, yeah, just a really beautiful day that reminded me as I was preparing the sermon this morning that there were some elements of that day that have reminded me about communion. And firstly, there was um, lots of looking back. It was Nat and Robin, and they were... Uh, they grew up here at Woody's, and now they live in Brighton. But various points throughout the day, there were speeches, and people said prayers and were saying lots of nice things about them, talking about how they had got to that point of the wedding day. They were looking back. I think Kelvin, who's here, spoke about Nat, how he was a little boy, and some of the funny things that he said. And it was very sweet to see how these two young people have got to this point of their wedding day. And it was a, a kind of a looking back kind of process. But there was also a brilliant celebration of the day of them coming together, of them being husband and wife, and of us being able to witness them take their vows and, and say their promises to each other and witness that sort of unity that was coming together. It was a day to celebrate the present, but it was also a day to look forward and to look to their future, and people prayed for them, blessed their marriage, blessed them that they would be able to keep trusting God when it was difficult, Bless them that they would have, be able to have a family, hopefully, in the future. And that they wouldn't just be doing marriage for themselves. That, that they would be part of God's purposes in even the city where they're living. That God would be working through them to bless their community, to bless their friends and bless their neighbours. And it was a really lovely occasion to look back, to be in the moment, but also to look forward. And Jacob, our eldest son, was one of the best men. There was two best men. And he was one of them. And he gave this little speech at the end, which was very poignant and quite moving. Because, you see, Jacob hasn't always been Nat's best friend. Sam, our son that died some time ago, Sam used to be Nat's best friend. And when they were little, they used to skateboard together. They loved playing with remote control cars. They loved tinkering with stuff. They loved being naughty in children's church. Yeah, they were the naughty boys sometimes. And um, they had this little best friend sort of friendship which was really, really sweet and lovely. But then when Sam died, that friendship ended. Kind of death careered its way through it. And so for then, as time went on, for Jacob to pick up a friendship with Nat and for them to kind of be friends around some of their similar interests, music, and to result in the fact that Jacob was there as, as a best man, was really poignant and quite moving for us as parents and actually most other people. And when he gave a speech, there was a lot of tears in the house. Um, but it was very redemptive for us as parents to see what God had done, that God had brought life and redemption out of the reality of death. And so when we're thinking about communion and I was thinking about this marriage and this wedding I couldn't help but see the similarities of what is going on. There was a past, there was a present, there was a future. There was this moment of remembering a death in the day. But it reminded me that when we celebrate communion, we're doing very similar things. We are looking back at what Jesus did 
remembering what he did for us when he died on the cross. We are being in the present and knowing that actually we are proclaiming Jesus' death. And we're, we're celebrating that knowing him is really good news, not just for us, but for the world. And we're looking forward to when he comes back again as king, as Lord, forever. Can I get an amen for that? Yes, love it. You're with me. But of course, at the center of it all is his death of Jesus. And he sacrificed his life for us. So that we could know God and be forgiven and have a fresh start and a new beginning. So that is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And firstly, when we celebrate communion, when we, when we take a bit of bread and then we drink a bit of the juice or the wine, when we do that, what we are doing is remembering Jesus. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. That's what Paul is commending the Corinthian church, that you're doing this to remember Jesus, to remember what he did, to remember his sacrifice. But when Jesus was with his disciples and they were sitting around the table before he died, they were celebrating the Passover meal. Now, Passover was the meal that they, the Jews um, take, took part in and still do to remember their release and their freedom coming out of Egypt way hundreds of years earlier when they were held in captivity by the Egyptians as slaves. And they were told by Moses to daub the shed blood of a lamb on their doorposts. And when the angel of death swept across Egypt, they would be saved by the blood of the lamb. And they would not be harmed. In fact, they would be free. They would step into their freedom. They would leave Egypt and they would be taken to a new place where they weren't slaves anymore. And they would live in freedom in the promised land. And so when Jesus is celebrating this meal with his disciples and they're having Passover and they're retelling the story of the shed blood and uh, the freedom and being taken out of Egypt, Jesus then tags on this really strange little meal at the end and says, actually, have this bread. I'm going to break it. Eat it in remembrance of me. Take this cup of wine that we're sharing together and drink it in remembrance of me. And they must have been so confused about what was going on. Jesus kind of throwing this curveball into this sort of ceremony that they were doing. But Jesus wanted to, to drop it into that moment so that they knew that, they were, that this was actually the foreshadowing of what was, what was happening, what was to come. And it was like all linked and that God is actually working out his purposes in history. And that the exodus is not just some weird thing that happened in the past, but it's linked to what Jesus was doing now. And it all hinged on the shed blood of the lamb. And Jesus is saying, remember the lamb? That's me. My blood's going to be shed soon. And you're going to be set free from slavery. And you're going to be able to experience new life. And you're going to be able to be with God forever. And so when we partake in what we're doing this morning, we are part of that big story that God has through the arc of history. We get swept up in that. We are taking part in that. We are being set free from our sin. We are remembering what Jesus did. Dave Mitchell often talks about communion as an opportunity to practice spiritual hygiene. I like that. It's an opportunity for us, as Paul said in that passage, to look at yourself and observe what is going on in your life. Is there sin that you need to confess? Are there relationships that are broken that you need to put right? Are there things going on in your thought life or in your actions, in your speech that are actually 
displeasing to God. And actually, you know, they're not right for a disciple of Jesus that we shouldn't be living like that. And communion is an opportunity where we kind of step out of the craziness of our life, the stresses and the anxieties and all the stuff that's whirling around and take a moment to pause and remember Jesus and confess our sin. Ask him to cleanse us once more and to fill us with his Holy Spirit. So when we take communion, that's what we can do. That's the invitation to look back and to remember what we can do in the moment that we can experience a freshness of being forgiven and, and have our hearts softened. I don't know about you, but your heart can get really tough, can't it? We need Jesus to soften our hearts towards him and others. The second thing that we are doing when we celebrate communion is that we are recognizing Jesus as our Lord and Savior in the present. That he died on the cross to take away sin. And that makes a difference to us and the world right here, right now. That knowing Jesus is good news, not just for us in this building, but knowing Jesus is good news for the world. His kingdom has come and it is coming. And his kingdom purposes are good news for the world. And as Paul says, we proclaim Jesus' death. You know, we have to keep proclaiming it. We have to keep proclaiming who Jesus is and what he's doing and how he's working in the world and how he's working in our lives. That's part of what we should be doing as disciples of Jesus. And when we take communion, we are proclaiming that Jesus' death actually happened, that it was actually a real event in history, and that it makes a difference to us here and now. So when we celebrate communion, we will always, we should always give an opportunity for people to get to know Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet, and you're here and you're kind of just curious about faith or checking out church, we're so glad you're here. That's what we love to do here at this church, is allow people to come in and observe and figure it out and watch. But also, we want to be serious about asking you to commit to following Jesus. And we don't say that lightly. It's not something you do on a whim, because it means you've got to lay down your life for Jesus. You've got to say, actually, you're the Lord now. I'm not Lord anymore, but you are Jesus. And if you're here today and you want to take a step towards Jesus, you want to find out more about him, you want to consider following him, then communion, when we celebrate it later, is a perfect opportunity for you to come and do that. There'll be people here that would love to pray with you and bless you and lead you through a prayer of commitment to following Jesus. Because we believe that knowing Jesus is good news for us personally, but also for the world. But also communion in the present for those of us that know Jesus and feel a bit maybe lost or overwhelmed with life. Communion is an opportunity where we sort of put it all to one side and say, actually, Jesus, it's all about you. And what a relief that is for most of us. I remember coming, when we first moved to Woody's, first moved to Bristol, and we were coming along to Woody's for the first time. And I was feeling a bit lost in kind of where I was in my work and our ministry as a couple and working in Bristol and I just felt a bit lost and wasn't really sure where I was going and I just felt like I needed to hand over my life again to Jesus and so during communion I went to the cross over there and it was a kind of self-service I took a bit of bread took a bit of um, wine and I knelt down by the cross and I just had a moment on my own where I just handed over my life back to God I, didn't, I hadn't felt like I could completely or totally kind of taken it off of God. 
But I just knew I needed to hand it back. I needed that moment of saying, actually, God, I hand over my life to you and I trust you with it. I don't know where you're going to lead me. I don't know what that looks like. I'm unsure even if I know what I want or need. But I trust you. And I know in this moment I can hand over it all to you. And I had a moment of silent prayer on my own. And I just said to Jesus, take my life again. I'm trusting you with it. And I went back to my seat about a minute or so later. And nothing had changed in my life. My circumstances went different. I didn't have any bolts out of the blue. I didn't really feel like I'd had any sort of necessarily powerful encounter with, with God. But deep in my soul, I knew I'd done a little bit of business with Jesus in that moment. And that I was going to keep trusting him. And we can do that anytime, but especially at this place for me to celebrate communion together. And the third thing that happens when we are celebrating communion is that we are, there's a lovely bit where Paul says, you know, we celebrate this, Jesus' death, until he comes. That this is a meal that has an eschatological, what a great word, you've got to say that with me, eschatological. It's a big posh theological word, <laughs> but basically what it means is the end times. It has an, a sort of the end of time where Jesus is going to come back and break into the world again as himself and kind of wrap it up before the new heavens and the new earth are released. And so we are celebrating communion and we are looking forward to that time when Jesus returns Jesus himself said that he won't drink from the cup of the vine again until the kingdom is fully inaugurated. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to take, take communion or take this cup until I return. And so what we are doing, we are in the middle bit, the middle bit from his death and resurrection to when he returns. And so when we take this meal, when we drink the wine and eat the bread, we are saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you to come back. This is reminding me that you are coming back again that the story of the world is not finished, it's, you haven't left it, you're not ignoring it, you're not kind of dispassionate to what is going on, you are very much involved in the world and we are hanging on for you to return and we believe that you will and every time you take the cup and the wine, we're saying that to ourselves, we're saying that to each other and we're saying that to the spiritual forces that this is not done yet. We're in the middle bit and it's stressful and hard at times and really, really tough. But Jesus is coming back again. And we are holding on for that moment. Whether it's tomorrow, next week, in a hundred years' time, he is coming back. And we can trust him for that. And the other thing that is kind of uh, an eschatological sort of side of this meal, as we think about the end, the end is that, you know, one day, every tribe and nation and ethnicity and language group is going to be represented around the throne of Christ. There's a brilliant verse in Revelation, which I will read to you, because it's so good. And it's a, a foretaste, a, a prediction, a prophecy of the future that is going to happen. And John is speaking about this. And he's saying, one day... There will be such unity in the church gathered around the throne of Christ that all of us will be equally represented. 
Think of any country in the world that you can think of. There will be people from that country following Jesus. It's a beautiful verse. Listen to this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That is our future, guys. That is our future. And so when we celebrate communion, we are celebrating communion with our brothers and sisters who are all around the world, from different denominations, from different types of Christianity, different shapes and sizes and ethnicities, and we are all gathering around Christ and worshipping him and honouring him and remembering him. And this is a foretaste of what is to come when ultimately we are all gathered around the throne of Christ. And so what a beautiful thing that we may have our differences, but we can take communion together and be united around Jesus and be the people that he really is willing us to be. So as I, as I finish and come into land, you know, communion is this mysterious meal. There's nothing magic about the bread or the wine. We're simply remembering what Jesus did. We're looking back at what he did. We're remembering his power and his authority in the presence. And we're looking forward to what he's going to do when he comes back again. And there's power and authority in each part of that. You look about, you know, he defeated death. He rose again from the cross. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of authority in that. Nobody in the course of history has ever done that. Only Jesus. And the power and authority that it takes for Jesus to come back and enter into the world again. Wow, that's a lot of power and authority to break into our world again. But that power and authority is here today. In the present, breaking into our world. His kingdom has come and his kingdom is coming and it's breaking in. And the Celtic Christians would, would potentially call communion a bit of a thin place. Which might seem a bit of a strange sort of phrase for some of us. But what it's really saying is that when we gather around communion, when we gather around Jesus, it's a place where the Holy Spirit, where Jesus is really present, where he wants to work in our lives, where he wants to minister to us as we fix our eyes on him, where he wants to bring reconciliation where there's been broken relationships, where he wants to bring his peace where there's a lot of anxiety, where he wants to bring healing where there is pain and discord in our bodies and in our minds, where he wants to bring his salvation where people don't yet know Jesus, where he wants to give us a fresh start and a new beginning, where he can forgive sins. And that is one of the beautiful, powerful things about celebrating communion. And I think for many of us, you know, we're not always aware of all this stuff when we're taking communion. But this is what is behind what Jesus has asked us to do. And particularly when we're suffering, when life is difficult, when we feel like we want to retreat from God, communion is a great thing to do. Because it reorientates our attention not around ourselves and our stuff, but around Jesus. And one of the most powerful times I've ever 
celebrated communion. There's, there's two occasions, but one of these occasions that I can really remember was when I celebrated communion, when we, I went to visit somebody who was dying. It was the day before they died, actually. And I went with Dave, our senior pastor, and we just sat, sat with this person. And uh, they knew they were dying, and they were, they were ready to meet Jesus. And it was such a holy moment. It was actually incredible. I left feeling like I'd been in the presence of God because of this person's faith, because of what she was looking forward to. And we, she um, had a bit of tiny bit of bread, tiny bit of wine. We remembered Jesus. We asked the Holy Spirit to be with us. And we held hands together and prayed. And it was an incredible moment where even in the, the depths of despair, where life was ending, Jesus was bringing his life. And this morning, wherever you are, wherever you are in your journey, whatever's going on in your life, Jesus is here. He is here and wants to meet with you. He wants to bless you and strengthen you and encourage you. He's asking you to orientate your attention around him. Not because he's an egomaniac and he needs it, because he knows that's what we need. John said, recorded Jesus' words, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We are hungry and thirsty for many things. But when we shift our attention and our thirst onto Jesus, he will always satisfy us. He will always meet us. He will always bring his presence. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to celebrate communion together. So before we do, let's just take a moment to do what Paul said, examine ourselves. Just maybe shut your eyes, take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit to examine you and your heart and your mind. Are there broken relationships? Are there things that you've done and said that you shouldn't have? Are there attitudes that you've had? that need confessing. Just take a moment to do that between you and God. Jesus, we thank you that you are the God that offers us fresh starts and new beginnings. We confess our sins to you in this moment, our wrongdoing. And we ask you to cleanse us and to bring your forgiveness like fresh spring rains over our minds, our bodies, and our souls once more. We stand before you, not in our own goodness, but in your righteousness that covers us because of Jesus' death on the cross. And we say thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being near. In Jesus' name, amen. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed... He was sat with his disciples celebrating the Passover. 
and he took some bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. And so let's say that amazing acclamation that we love to say that incorporates what I've just been talking about, which is, I'm going to tell you what it is, then we'll say it together. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And let's say that. We say that to ourselves because we need to hear it. We say that to each other because it's true. And we're saying it to the spiritual realm that is here watching and reminding them who is Lord and who is King. So let's say it together with gusto. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Amen. So now we get to celebrate communion and enact all that I've been talking about. And just so everyone's on the same page, how we're going to do this is pretty simple. Nobody is going to usher you or tell you when to go and how to do it. There are some tables. There's a table at the back. There's a table at the side. And there's a table to my left, and there'll be two people standing at that table, and they will serve you the bread and the wine. They'll say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Jesus shed for you. And they will just serve it for you, and you can go up and take it, and take it back to your seat, or just drink it there. At my right, there's a table, like I went to a few years ago, and knelt down. If you want to kneel, feel free to do that. If you want to take some bread and wine and go and sit with a friend and ask them to pray for you, if you want to take it back to your seat, that's fine too. It's kind of like a self-service option, but you do what you'd like to do at that place. But also, this is a thin place where God's presence is today. And so because of that, we expect God to break into our lives by his Holy Spirit. And so if you've come today with any need for prayer, or if you just want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, you want to kind of be filled up again and sent out, we would love to pray for you. Or if you want to get to know Jesus you've come with a need then there'll be a team of people at the front who will love to pray for you there's no fuss about that it's just part of our culture so just come to the front and there'll be a team of people who will bless you and pray for you and uh, we would love to do that so and then all the time this is going to be wrapped around with lovely worship from our lovely worship band so you've got about 15 minutes to do this so we haven't got all the time in the world but also we're not rushing you god is here his presence is with us. So if the ministry team could come to the front, we'll start celebrating communion together.